I'm Mark Ficciani. Welcome to Forge Your Path. To see the type of impact he's been able to have on the lives of his athletes is really inspiring. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a special episode today, just fresh off a fantastic weekend. And really, this is the perfect time to record this because we just had a family milestone. And I know you hit different markers in your life. You think about certain times that are special. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about today. So on Friday, the 19th of January, my mom turned 80. And that's a mind blower for me because, shoot, you, you don't necessarily watch people age in real time, right? You don't think about your mother or your father, your older brother at a certain age. They're just kind of this fixed person that is a certain amount of years older than you, just in the same way you don't think of yourself hitting certain age milestones. So it really is kind of wild to think about her at the age of 80, because in my mind, she's still this person that has got incredible energy. She has incredible enthusiasm. <laughs> if you've been around her, you know she's got plenty of opinions, no, no shortage of those. Uh, God bless you, mom. And uh, so it's just really incredible to think about. And uh, now that she is 80, I just hope that we get many more opportunities to spend fun times like this past weekend we had together where my wife and I and my daughters, Annie and Lily, came down to celebrate and spend her birthday. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the whole family in there because my brother and his family went down the weekend prior. That's another story for another time because we didn't get all a chance to get together. But we had a great weekend and it was just a fantastic opportunity to celebrate my mom. So I wanted to share a couple things about her and her life because, look, growing up for me, for as long as I can remember, there were two role models in my life. Pretty easy to identify who those were. Number one, you had my brother. He was three and a half years older than me. He was always the guy I was chasing. I like to think in a good way, whether that was uh, playing football at a friend's house, whether it was academics whether it was high school wrestling, going to a great college, he was always the standard. So he was number one. Number two, of course, is my dad, because he's the guy that just, you know, you look up to more than anyone else in the world, uh, was and is my hero in so many ways from just being the dad who was present and gave my brother and I everything we ever could have wanted to the person you wanted to be able to make proud. Dad's always been there for me. So I had two huge role models growing up, and it impacted my life in a huge way. What's interesting is, of course, always love my mother dearly, and she's always been present in so many different ways. But as I look back, because I had an opportunity on Sunday night, we had a dinner for some family and friends, and my father asked me to say a few words. So in preparing for it, what really struck me was, yes, I've got these two male role models that have had a major impact on my life. But at the same time, 
if you look a little more closely, my mom's had a tremendous impact. My mom's been the one who's taught incredible lessons. And my mom has had such an incredible legacy in terms of what she's done. And her imprint is all over me and my kids based on what she's done. So I wanted to really just say thank you to my mother for three different ways that she's had a profound, profound impact on my own life. So here goes. I'm going to tell you three quick stories. And I think this is the best way I can honor her on this milestone birthday. So number one, I'm going to call it prepare to win. When I was a sophomore in high school, huge, huge change in the Fichani household, right? Because my brother goes off to college. So now I'm the young man. And so that, that's a big one. At the same time, my mother decided to resurrect her teaching career and go back to school. She had been a teacher for a handful of years, right out of college for herself. Grew up in New York City, up in Washington Heights. Ended up being the first person in her family to go to college on a scholarship to the City University of New York, or better known as Hunter College. And she becomes a teacher and spends a number of years doing that. But when she had my brother, she gave it up. And so for about an 18-year period, she's out of the classroom. Well, I guess she decided that in 1990, it was time to go back. So she jumps back in. She's an elementary school teacher, and she's going to teach third grade at Kings Road Elementary, which was my old elementary school alma mater. So mom jumps back into school. Well, what's interesting that fall was, like I said, major change in the routine in terms of what the household day-to-day -day is like. Now, look, my routine didn't change much. I left for school around 7.15, 7.20 every day. I got back about 4 o'clock because I wasn't playing uh, a fall sport during that season. But my mom's routine sure changed because 6.45, 10 to 7, she was gone every day. And then I got back from the bus around 4, 4.15 p.m. And mom wasn't home until 5.15, 5.30. We'd sit down and, and have a family dinner. Uh, my, I remember distinctly my Nana and Gramps, who are my mother's parents, they came out from New York City and they spent about a month with us as they were trying to help the transition along. So they lived with us for a little while and they would help around the shop for groceries. They would help to make dinner and they were presents there in that first month. So we'd have dinner together, maybe around six o'clock. And after that, I might go knock off an hour of homework or so, but by eight o'clock, I wanted to be settled in by the couch, catch some of my shows for an hour, maybe hour and a half, and be heading off to bed at 9.30. What happened after dinner? My mom, she would retreat back into the office and she'd be there until the time I went to bed. And you just, you'd walk in there and I'd say goodnight. And there was a stack of papers in there and, and artwork and just, just stuff. And man, you could fill the Library of Congress with everything that was in there. So one night, after watching this for several weeks, I say to my mom, hey, mom, 
what are you doing in here every night? I mean, you, you teach third grade. And she said, well, Mark, I, I have work to do and I want to make tomorrow a great day. So I just kind of shrugged being the dopey sophomore I was. Uh, so didn't think too much about it. Well, guess what? Fast forward 13 years. Now I'm age 28. I'm off of a couple of career changes after college. And guess what? I'm a first year teacher. Living at home with my parents, doing a little tour of duty uh, out of the Hoboken life where I was young and free and single. Now I'm changing my career. I got to save some bucks. So I'm living at home. So now I'm in my parents' house in Mendham every night. And I'm doing my work at the kitchen table. It's taken me three, three and a half, four hours every night just to be prepared for the next day's lessons. As a rookie teacher, very difficult to do. So one night my father comes up to me and he says, hey, Mark, what the hell are you doing here every night? Uh, you know, shouldn't you take a break or go watch some TV or something? Well, without a moment's pause, my mom juts in and says, Jerry, what teachers do? And I looked at my dad, who just kind of shrugged and, and walked away, and I nodded my head. And I remembered back 13 years prior when I'd said the same thing to my mom. And I said to myself, you know what? She's right. And look, I can't speak for all teachers or how other teachers did it. Maybe there were teachers a clock out at three o'clock every day and just walked home and breezed and uh, rolled in right before the bell at eight o'clock. But I certainly knew that this is how Pachani's do it. So thank you, mom, for showing me the way of how to prepare to win. Because for me, that level of preparation is something that when I think about my most successful experiences and when I'm at my most confident, it's when I prepare thoroughly. When I know that I've turned over every rock, I put my best foot forward and I've given my best effort. And I know that I'm not sure how everything's going to turn out, but I've done my part. So thank you, mom, for helping me prepare to win. Second story I like to tell is called Let It Out. So this one is, uh, this one's a bit of a cringer, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. So back in fourth grade, I'm at Kings Road Elementary School that I mentioned beforehand, and I've got a crush on this girl in my class named Emily Merrill. Well, I mean, crushes for the most part, I think, at our school came in fifth grade, and I remember that year vividly. But for whatever reason, I guess I was a year early on this one. What possessed me to tell my mother about this crush? I don't know, but I decided to share this with her. And it's February. It's right around Valentine's Day. So my mother, what does she do? Well, we spring into action. There we are, off to the candy store to buy a box of chocolate. And then we're at the stationery store, buying notes. So um, there I am, crafting a note pouring my heart into my feelings for Emily Merrill. And the next day on Valentine's Day, you better believe it, there we are, ringing my doorbell and I'm professing my love. 
So we get back to the car and, uh, and my mom says, well, how did it go? And I said, yeah, mom, I, I, I really don't know. Because what I vividly do remember is that I think Emily was sick and she came to the doorbell kind of a little bit sheepish and, and, and under the weather. And, uh, I vaguely remember looking back that her mom smiled and appreciated it, but who knows? So I said to my mom, well, I don't know really, mom. I knew I was awkward as could be. And, uh, and she said, well, you know, when you feel something, you just got to let it out. And I got to say, as I look back on my teens and, and my twenties, uh, I probably took a page out of that book more often than not. And let me tell you, I, I was, for those of you who know me, I was no Casanova in my teens, nor my twenties. My romantic life probably was more of a fairly comedy, uh, which ended in major embarrassment than it was a, a Hallmark special that my mom would have loved to watch. But you know what? I became the kind of person that took more chances than not, not every time, but more often than not. And yeah, more often than not, it ended in embarrassment. But I did reflect on thinking about one night in my 20s, there I am at the famished frog, and I see a beautiful, beautiful woman with the most gorgeous brown eyes I've ever seen across the bar. And we have a moment with each other. And while I'm sure she might tell the story differently. I took the opportunity to walk around the bar and introduce myself because I saw she was talking to one of my friends. And guess what? Here we are now, 20 years after having that conversation, uh, about to celebrate, well, I guess coming up this year, we'll be celebrating 17 years of marriage come June. So had I not been that kind of person, that had taken that bit of an instinct to let it out and to do the brave thing. Who knows? I might have a different family history I'd be sharing today. So uh, mom, thanks again for giving me that guidance. Again, didn't always work out the right way, but I'd rather be that kind of person that matches the old man in the arena that I have sitting here behind me and share my feelings than actually not do the brave thing, not do the courageous thing. So thank you, Mom, for that. The last story I want to say is called Planting Seeds. So in 2008, then the woman I shared about, Dara, becomes my wife. In 2008, we become homeowners. And we end up buying a house in Madison, town where I grew up. And we're really excited about it. And I am not a handyman, as I'm sure I've shared before. And I'm a young teacher, young husband, and we've got this great house. So my mom, coming in with sage advice, is, Mark, you got to plant flowers along your front walk. Well, at the time, planting flowers is probably around 998 out of 1,000 priorities or things that I care about or have any interest in. So I say, yeah, 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 great, great idea, but I don't do anything about it. So after a week or so of pestering me, she shows up at my house and there she is planting along my walk. Well, don't you know it? Springtime rolls around months later 
and we got the most beautiful daffodils that sprouted along that front walkway. And now every year she comes, she helps me. Uh, she's uh, my old neighbor used to joke around and say, Hey, I got to hire your gardener because guess what? The work she does and the flowers that she plants, it does, it makes the house. And that was an incredible, incredible piece of insight from her. And it just shows you when you plant seeds, you may not understand why at the time, and there's a delayed result, you're going to get that delayed gratification. But down the line, you're going to be happy you did because you're going to get that result. And her planting those seeds and planting those flowers every year, it totally makes the house. Same is true when we had kids. She told me and my wife, listen, you guys have to read to the kids every day. And while it was something I, I was probably planning on doing, I didn't necessarily consider it to be a priority because especially at the beginning, we started the habit and, uh, and while I knew it was good for them, when you're reading to an infant, you're really not getting much in return. Well, a couple of years later, what did we discover? The kids know it's going to be story time. And it became one of the most magical moments of every evening to watch them kind of just cozy up and do this little backward shuffle where they would plot themselves down in our laps. We'd read a book or two or three and have this great family time. So once again, I have my mom to thank for the idea of planting seeds. And it's not just for me. Throughout the course I see of my daughter's lives, when they started going over for sleepovers every night, she would sing close to you by the carpenters and the girls didn't know the song by name, but they knew the part about the birds. So I would hear them at some point saying, Nana, can you sing birds? Nana, come sing birds. Well, I got to witness this when they were young and how much they loved it. And don't, you know, my girls are now 13. They still sleep over from time to time. And guess what? They still request it. And she sings close to you every time they sleep over her house. It's huge, powerful impact for them. What's interesting is when I think about my own upbringing, she was always planting those seeds. Elementary school, fifth grade, sixth grade, once in a blue moon, she'd come by and it was the greatest surprise ever. She'd bring me a couple slices of pizza from Romanelli's. Or she'd bring me a couple of Burger King hamburgers and fries. And I was the envy of all my friends. And I, and I loved the surprise visit. Or after school, back when I was younger, third grade, fourth grade, she'd take me to Cafe Beethoven. And we'd go have an eclair and a glass of milk uh, when I wasn't playing a winter sport. On a rainy day in the summer, when we weren't at the pool, she'd take me over to Volume 1 Bookstore and let me peruse all the different titles because I used to love bookstores and I'd spend an hour in there finding some good stuff and she'd always spend a couple of bucks to let me buy a book or two. So she was always there planting seeds. Always, she just knew how to do those little things that added up to a memorable life. And when I think about my own kids, so I think about my own family, since they've been young, I built all these traditions in little different tweaks, of course, like reading at night, but other different 
special nights we've had, like a tradition where we play board games on every New Year's Eve. Another tradition where when they were younger and they got into different cuisines, we would do a different cultural night where one night it would be Italy. We'd make the Italian flag and we'd do an Italian recipe. Another week we would do French night and we would look up the history of France and we'd make the French flag on a big piece of poster board and cook a, a French dish. So I've always tried to cultivate my own traditions and routines. And you know what? For the longest time, I just thought it was based on the fact that I'm a pretty creative and original guy. And I patted myself on the back. After this weekend, I think it's pretty clear that maybe I'm not that creative or an original of a guy. Maybe, just maybe, I'm just taking a page out of mom's book. Maybe I'm just a guy who's trying to plant some seeds with my own daughters and family to build those special memories that add up to our lifetime. And really, imitation is the best form of flattery. And I'm just trying to, again, take a page out of mom's book. So mom, on this milestone birthday, what can I say? You've had an incredible impact on my life, on the lives of our family, your constant presence, your commitment, your consistency, your planting of seeds has created so many memories that have lasted a lifetime. So I hope I can continue to instill these lessons in my own kids. I hope I can continue to prepare to win, to make sure that I always take my feelings and let them out and to do that brave thing and to encourage my girls to do the same. And I can continue planting seeds. They're going to have those memories and those moments that might take a while to bear fruit, but are going to add up to moments and a lifetime of significance. So thank you, mom. And I love you.